I hope that's your prayer, that the battle is the Lord's and that you're engaged in that battle each and every day through your prayers, through your devotion, through your obedience and following after Christ. You know, Advent is a season of expectant waiting, of preparation for the coming of Messiah, the coming of the Christ child. I'd like you to think about that term, expectant waiting. You know, we have the beautiful picture of that in our home with our children and our grandchildren, right? When that first gift goes under the tree, you want to see expectant waiting? Oh, that we would recapture that same sense of expectation as we wait for the Lord. The idea of, of opening up that gift of, of the reality of the birth of Christ that we would approach it with that kind of expectation, that we would prepare our hearts to receive the Christ child once again. That's what Advent's about. That, everything we do over these next weeks is to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. And for those that have experienced that coming within you already is to, to grow and to live into that more and more each and every day. As I mentioned earlier, our theme for Advent this year is fear not. You know, the, the songs that we sing, the, the passages that we look at for, for Advent each year are, are, are the same. We, we reread those stories of, of Mary, of Joseph, of Elizabeth and Zechariah, of the shepherds, because they're so profound, they're so deep. And as I reread those passages this year, these two words kept coming out at me. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. It's in each of the stories. Oh, what a word for us in 2020. What a word for us to share with our families, our friends, with the world around us, that no matter how desperate th things may seem, that we can fear not. Because why? Because Emmanuel is coming and God is with us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And therefore we need not fear because Emmanuel, God, is with us. You know those fear not stories? Joseph in a dream we'll talk about next week. Fear not to marry Mary. Mary, as the angel appeared before her, fear not to be obedient, to say yes to what God wants to do in your life, to the shepherds. Fear not to leave your sheep and to go into Jerusalem and to find and to see the Savior. Fear not's a word for us over these next weeks. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. The first of the fear not stories is the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Again, hopefully a story that you're familiar with. Again, as we enter into this Advent season, the mother of John the Baptist. But it's quite a story. And so I want us to reread that passage again and to let it speak afresh and anew to us this Christmas season in this season of fear not. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We'll read through verse 25. 
In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. So here's the context, the story. It's in the time of, uh, of the king of, of that day is Herod and Zechariah was a priest. He was of, of, of the Levites and he married a, a woman of the tribe of Aaron was also a priestly family, a priestly line. And so this was a couple that, that loved and sought after the Lord. They knew the scriptures. They walked by the scriptures. They were a couple that served God in every way. But they didn't have a child. And, and in that day and age, to not have a child was a, a, a thing of disgrace. It could only mean that there was disfavor between them and the Lord. That's how they would have understood that in that time. And this was a, a significant thing. And so that's the context that we enter into. And so we pick it up that now it happened in verse 8 that while he, while Zechariah was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So Zechariah was a part of a, one of the priestly groups that he was a part of. And what would happen is his group of probably about a thousand priests would, would go and they, a portion of them would go into Jerusalem every year. And they would do the, for a couple of weeks, they would serve in the temple. And there would be a lottery among those thousand priests to see who it was that was going to be able to go into the, uh, to the holy place in order to offer incense to the Lord. And this particular year, Zechariah won the lottery. And he was the priest, old in his years. It was one of those things he probably always desired to do, but his name had never been drawn. And the opportunities for him to be able to do this were coming short as he was growing older. But this year, this year, he was chosen to go into the holy place. Now, if you would, if we just allow our, our, our minds to imagine for just a moment, let's say that this is the court. Now, this would be the court of the, of the men, ladies. Sorry, the, the women would probably be behind the glass in Israel in, in that day. There was a, a court for women, but the men would be in this court and say on the platform here, there'd be a curtain and it'd be the holy place. And then up where our choir loft is, there'd be another curtain and this would be the Holy of Holies back here. And this would be where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the, the presence of God dwelt in that day. And Zacharias won the lottery, the opportunity to go in and where this veil is. Remember the veil that would have been across here was the veil that tore at the crucifixion of Jesus. And right before the veil, there was an altar. And this chosen priest was allowed to go in and to burn incense. And incense was the the offering of prayers. It was the symbolism of prayers. And notice in the scripture we're going to read in just a moment that while Zacharias went in to offer the incense, that the people were praying. 
So the priest would go in, he would offer up this, he's right next to the Holy of Holies. There's only a curtain here between he and the Holy of Holies. And he would light this incense and then he would lay prostrate and offer his prayers for Israel, his prayers for his own family. There in that place, separated by the presence of God, the reality of God, right here on the other side of the curtain, he was as close to God as any man or any woman would ever be in that holy place. Let's continue. I lost my place. I got so excited talking about it. There we go. Picking up in verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And so Zechariah's inside, and then look what happens. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Now Zechariah had heard about this. He'd heard about the prophets of old who'd gone into the holy, holy place, and he'd heard from generations ago, hundreds of years ago, of angels coming and speaking and, and being present, but he would have never imagined it would have happened to him. And yet it did. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, and Zechariah was troubled. Imagine that. And when he saw the angel, fear gripped him. Have you ever been gripped by fear? Gripped by fear to the point where you, you couldn't speak, you couldn't move, you were paralyzed. Zechariah saw this angel of the Lord before him. Fear gripped him. I think he was so paralyzed. He was so scared. He couldn't do anything. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your petition, your prayer has been heard. Well, Zechariah was praying there. He was, he was praying at the altar. He was praying there in the holy place. I wonder what he could have been praying for. Well, it had been generations, it had been hundreds of years since the prophets had, of the Lord had, had spoken. I can't imagine him not praying, God, send, send Elijah. Send Elijah to your people. Lord, send your prophet. We want to hear a fresh word, a new word from you. Oh God, redeem your people. Send Elijah, because Zechariah would have known before the Messiah could come, Elijah had to come. Zechariah praying there at the altar, praying there next to the presence of God. God, send Elijah. Send your prophet. Redeem Israel. We've been under oppression from the Romans for far too long. God, save us. Your petition has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Oh, I can't help but imagine in that holy place next to the Holy of Holies that that brokenness within him of not being able to have a son, the, the grief and the hurt of his wife and not being able to bear a son, surely in that holy of ho holy places, next to the Holy of Holies, surely in that place, the emotion of that moment, the brokenness of that moment, Zacharias must have cried out, and God, oh, for a child, oh, for a son. Your petition has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, the petition for years and years and years. And he will give you, give him the name, you'll give him the name John. 
You'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many to the sons, many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. That's why I think that there's a connection there. Because the angels tell him what the prayers, how the pra- his prayers are going to be answered. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow. Zacharias, don't be afraid. Fear not, because God has heard your prayers and he's going to answer them. He's going to send you a son and this son is going to be the the forerunner, the Elijah that comes before the Messiah. Your prayers have been heard and answered. And Zechariah said to the answer to the angel, "Well, how will I know this for certain?" It doesn't carry over very much in the translation, but he basically saying, "Well, how can this be? How can this happen? For I'm an old man, and my wife is she's old too." And the angel answered him and said to him. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at the delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. It's interesting, a little play on words. She talks about taking away my disgrace in this child. The the word John, the name John means a gracious gift. So God takes away the disgrace of a barren woman through a son whose name is a gracious gift. John, a gracious gift to Israel, the one who will come and be the forerunner of the Messiah. Let's take a moment and, and kind of step back away from this passage because I want us to, to understand today in this first Sunday of Advent on our themes of, of hope, our theme of prayer today, and that God hears and answers our prayers First of all, let's start with this meaning and understanding of the word Zecharias. The word Zecharias means God has remembered. God has remembered. You see, in that moment when God remembered Zecharias, he remembered his prayers, he heard his prayers, in that moment where God remembered Zecharias, isn't it interesting that it appears that Zecharias forgot God or at least he forgot his prayers he didn't remember well how can this be you see when God chose to answer Zechariah's prayers 
It created in Zechariah a crisis of belief. How can this be? You see, Zechariah remembered, I'm sorry, God remembered his prayers, but Zechariah forgot. He forgot how he had prayed for Israel, how he had just prayed, how he had just prayed for Elijah, that Elijah would return so that the Messiah could come. And what about his personal life? I believe, again, he had just cried out, he and Elizabeth had cried out all throughout their marriage that, that they would receive a son. But it seems to me that Zechariah forgot, even though God remembered. How could this man of God, how could this priest, this pastor, how could he forget? How could he forget the story of Abraham and Sarah? And how God brought them a child in their old, old age as well. Yet it seems that God, excuse me, that Zechariah forgot the stories of Scripture. Forgot that God could answer that prayer. And so I have to ask the question, why did Zechariah, if he was offering this prayer to God, why did he disbelieve? Why did he not have faith that God would answer this prayer? Maybe it was because he was just old and tired. Maybe it was because his tears had dried up and his heart had grown hard from praying for a son year after year after year and watching his wife cry year after year after year. Maybe Zechariah was just so caught up in his, his religion, the ritual of religion, the, the ritual of prayer, the, the ritual of burning incense that he never really expected any of his prayers to come true. We're not sure why Zechariah forgot or lacked faith. But I'm struck by this reality that he was here in the holy place. He was as close to the presence of God, the, the presence of God just on the other side of that curtain. And even there in that place, in the presence of Gabriel, the angel, Zechariah could not believe in that moment. He doubted. He prayed, but he had lost his hope. His hope that God would answer his prayers. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to praying and going back to God time and time again and praying and praying and at some point along the way losing hope that God would ever answer that prayer? Let us remember Zechariah that God has remembered. God remembers and hears our prayers. How often do we just go through the motions of prayer? How often do we pray like Zechariah with no hope? Again, God does not forget, but God remembers. God remembered Zechariah in his prayers. And as I've alluded to already, here's something that I've really never explored before, but notice this time that God, in God answering Zechariah's prayer, He answered the prayers for Israel and He answered the prayer for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Surely Zechariah and Elizabeth, although we mentioned, did they forget the story of Abraham and Sarah? Surely 
Elizabeth in particular, remember the story of Hannah and Samuel. Hannah who prayed over and over again, a barren woman late in years, God, please give me a son and, and we'll dedicate him for you. We'll give him to you. And God blessed Hannah with Samuel who became the great judge and, and spiritual leader of Israel for a generation. Surely, Zacharias and Elizabeth must have prayed like Hannah and said, God, if you just give us a son, we're dedicating to you. We'll, we'll let you use him however you want for your glory. God, just give us a son. God remembered Zacharias. He remembered Elizabeth. And through the angel, Gabriel announced that they would have a son, a son who would be filled with the Spirit of God and that his name would be John. Again, he would be a gracious gift. And he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. And he would begin to turn the hearts of God's people back to him. You notice that three things happened to Zacharias during this encounter with the angel. First of all, he was made unable to speak. He was unable to speak until John was born. Imagine not being able to, to communicate with words what had taken place, to share with words with your wife, with the people what had taken place because he did not believe the words of the angel. You see, there are always consequences to our unbelief. But then I'm fascinated by the second thing, that even in the midst of his unbelief, God would act to fulfill Zacharias' prayers. Here the angel reminds us that even our unbelief cannot thwart God's plans and purposes for our world. Zacharias, you, you don't believe right now. But your wife's going to have a child. Even in the midst of his initial unbelief, God still promised to carry out his purposes and plans. Lastly, I noticed here that we cannot dismiss the impact of this moment on Zacharias. I used the term earlier, a, a crisis of belief. Zacharias was at a crisis of belief. He had heard this revelation from the angel of what was going to happen, that he was going to be a son. What would he do? Would he prepare? How would he respond? Would, would he respond in faith or would he respond in disbelief? And we've been a little critical of Zacharias early on. But we need to be assured that Zacharias answered his crisis of faith with belief. The scripture tells us that upon completing his service, that he went home to his wife and she became pregnant. This was not the miraculous conception that Mary would experience, but rather the pregnancy that's formed out of the bond of a husband and wife acting together in faith that God had heard their prayers and that God was going to bring a son into their lives. You see, an answered prayer many times still needs an act of faith by us. You see, when we pray, God hears, God remembers, and God calls us to act in faith. So here we are, 
Mindful of this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and how God heard and how God responded and how they responded in faith. So I have three questions for us today on this first Sunday of Advent. First of all, what are you afraid of? There's a lot to be afraid of in our world right now. What, where are your fears? What are your fears? Have you taken those fears to the Lord in prayer? You see, prayer is God's invitation to enter into the holy place with Him. Zechariah was invited into the holy place to, to offer prayers for the people, to burn incense as a, a symbol for the prayers of God's people, and there to offer those prayers on behalf of God's people. Oh, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to go to a, a holy place anymore. But we can enter into that holy place in prayer, in communion, in the presence of the Spirit of God. And we can bring our fears to Him. And He will listen and He will hear. And he will answer our prayers. 1 John chapter 4 says this, God is love and there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We need to be reminded of this in our prayer that we go to God in our fears because He is love. And in the presence of God, in Emmanuel, God with us, that relationship, that presence, that strength of God casts out fear from our life. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles, that we're not even going to suffer the, the, the tragedies of this world, but it means that we can do so in the love of God and not the fear of this world God's love through Jesus conquered death God's love through Jesus brings healing and forgiveness and salvation and that's why we must take our fears to the Lord in prayer confess your fear to him abide in his love his strength his presence hear the Lord say to you fear not for I am with you what are you afraid of are you praying have you brought that to the Lord have you cast those fears upon him the second question outside of the area of fear I just want to ask you this question what are you praying for now what are you praying for during this Advent season well what do I mean by this if it's not about praying about your fears we've, we've talked about that already well, I'm, I'm not talking about your Christmas list. Well, God, I've got my list. I'm sure praying, hoping I get all this stuff on Christmas morning. No, what I'm, I'm talking about is have you entered into the mystery and the struggle of prayer? We sang about that earlier. The battle of the Lord. Have you entered into the battle of prayer? The mystery of prayer. Engaging Him in that relationship. The psalmist wrote this, If we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our hearts. Jesus said this, If we abide in Him and, our, and His words abide in us, then we can ask whatever we want and it will be done for us. James, the brother of Jesus, said this, We ask and we do not have, we do not receive, because we ask with selfish motives. If you remember the story of Jacob in Genesis, Jacob wrestled all night with God in prayer that God might bless him. 
What are you wrestling with God about this Advent season? Not out of selfish motives, but rather out of striving to know and understand God's will and God's plan for you, your family, our church, this world. Are you praying deeply enough and intently enough that like Jacob, you will be changed in the process? Have your prayers created a crisis of belief that requires bold action and obedience on your part? What are you praying about? Are you struggling with God? Let me know your desires. God, I want to, to have your desires within me so that I am praying your desires, not my desires. God, I want to know your word so deeply, so intimately that I'm praying in accordance with your will, not my will. God, help me to enter into this battle, to explore the mystery and the depths, the power of prayer of seeing you come alongside and answer those prayers. The final question I'd like us to consider today, it's a question that Zacharias' situation, I think, challenged me with or reminded me with. You see, I'm fascinated that God's plan to redeem the world intersected with Zacharias and Elizabeth's desire for a child. I wonder if this possibility ever crossed their minds. But God used their prayers for his greater purposes. So here's the question that I'd like to ask each of us now. Are we praying? Are you praying? Are your prayers part of God's greater plan to redeem and to save the world, to redeem and to save your family, to redeem and to save your community, your neighborhood, your workplace? Are your prayers part of God's greater work in this place? Oh, don't we want our prayers to matter like that? Don't we want our prayers to be so God-focused that even when we're praying for God, bless me, God, answer this petition for me, that that's a part of God's greater plan to redeem and to save the world. That's how I want my prayers, and, and that's how I want our prayers as a church to go before God, that they would go beyond anything we could imagine to be a part of God's redeeming plan for this world and for our community. May my motives match the motives of Jesus Christ who loved his Father and who gave his life for his neighbor. Oh, that we would pray like Zacharias and Elizabeth and see God change the world by answering those prayers. You see, I want my prayers to be so intimately connected with God's will not just for my life, but for this world, that when I see him answering these prayers, I stand in holy reverence and awe and hear the word of the Lord say, Fear not, for I have heard your prayer. I have remembered your prayer. Fear not, and I am acting to bring those those prayers to life. What if that was how we prayed for Advent 2020? See, there's so much fear in our world. Lord, yes, we must pray for healing, and yes, we must pray for restored relationships. We must pray for freedom from guilt and anger and bitterness 
We must pray for freedom from sin and habit and addiction. We must pray for new life. We must pray for the provision of those who are depleted. See, church, our world is going through so much suffering in these moments that we can no longer go through the motions of just praying, but that we must learn to pray expectantly. We must learn to pray in such a way that God acts and we stand back and go, wow. And God says, fear not. Lord, remember our prayers in such a divisive way, such a decisive way, that we stand in awe and reverence before you. Bring us to a crisis of belief through our prayers. Help us to believe and help us to act in faith. You see, this must be our hope, and this must be our prayer. And this is why we must prepare for the birth of a Savior on Christmas Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this powerful story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Lord, I don't have any idea if, if they could have ever imagined that you would have answered their prayer of sending a son by sending a son that would be the, the Elijah, that would prepare the way for Messiah. But you did. And God, I pray that that would inspire us to pray to bring our fears and to cast them to you, to bring our, our petitions, our desires to you. And Father, we thank you that you hear and you remember our prayers. Lord, we pray that you would call us to get up off of our knees and to act in faith in response in regard to those prayers. And oh, that we would see you moving in such a way that, that we would need you to cry out, fear not, for I am with you and I've heard your prayers and I'm acting to bring those about because this is my will and this is my purpose for this world. God, stir us. Prepare us. Help us to receive the coming Christ. In just a moment as we stand and sing, I want to ask you those three questions again. What are you, what are you afraid of? Have you brought those to the Lord? Have you genuinely laid those fears and, and absorbed His love and sat in His love? Oh, if, if fear has paralyzed you today, would you receive His love, His presence, and His assurance? And then I ask you, what are you, what are you praying about? What are you, what are you battling with the Lord about? What are you seeking God about? Oh, that you would continue in that struggle, that you would continue to say, God, give me your desires. Help me to know your word that I might know how to pray Lord, I don't want to pray selfishly. And then know oh, that we would pray that God would answer our prayers in such a way that it's a part of his redeeming, saving plan for this world. God invites us to pray. He hears our prayers and he answers those prayers. Let's stand, let's sing. Let's make our commitments to the Lord. The altar is open for those who would come and pray before him.